All right, you guys ready? Yeah. As ready as I'll ever be. Maybe, that, maybe eat yeah. whatever in your mouth first. <laughs> yeah, swallow first. <laughs> there internet i'm annie i'm kit and i'm mac and this is i will fight you a podcast where we've been turning opinion into stone cold facts since 1986 today's fact clamp shouldn't write romance i'm into it here's the thing when clamp does romance in other things it's, you know, fine for the most part. There are things. But here's the thing. When Clamp focuses solely on romance, that's when we get into fucking trouble. Okay, so for the benefit of the non-weebs in the audience, i.e. me, let's start by explaining who slash what Clamp is. So Clamp is a four to five women group of comic creators, basically. They're just a small studio and they're all women. They started making comics like, I think in the late 80s. It was like a 1983 or four, maybe? Their first real big breakout hit, at least the one that's most notable in the States, was Magic Knight Ray Earth, which is basically three high schoolers. Who all get magical powers and they're all associated with the color of their hair. Yeah, there's a kind of video gamey element to it and that their armor levels up as they get stronger. The one that most people might know, however, is Card Captors. Card Captor Sakura, please. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah, I don't know which version of Card Captor Sakura you would have watched. It would I probably would have been like a four kids translation during the early noughties. Okay, then this is probably Card Captors. Card Captor Sakura's interesting sidebar. It's a magical girl show about Sakura Kinimoto who has to capture all of these magical cards that a wizard made and become basically a wizard herself. And she does that by wearing cute outfits that her cousin made for her. Now, the thing about Card Captor Sakura is that there is a version called Card Captors where the people who wanted to dub it and bring it over were like, this is a show that's very girly. We want boys to like it. So we're going to start eight episodes in when a boy shows up. And then we're just going to pick and choose episodes as we please, and everyone's going to have the worst voice. That sounds about right. Both Magic Knight Ray Earth and Cardcaptor Sokka really showed what Clamp is capable of in terms of, like, they are at their strongest when they take a genre and twist it. Before Cardcaptor Sokka and uh, Sailor Moon, for example, magical girl shows were way more about, like, a little girl grows up into a big adult girl with boobies and solves problems. Oh, thanks. I hate it. And because Sokka was like, I don't I don't know 10 years old and maybe gets a little older as the series progresses was a huge thing and also like sailor moon is basically the same age regardless those two like really completely revitalized the magical girl genre and then there's the fact that magic knight rayers played a lot more like just a straight up action show but with feelings in they, they both just really are absolutely seminal pieces and then clamp decided well let's let's make an entry in a series that is for boys let's make a boy focused romance drama and let's make it about robots i can hear the dread in your voice so chobits comes out in 2002 it's got eight volumes of manga there's a tv show that is based off it that is apparently even worse chobits is beloved and i'm here to tell you why that's bullshit <laughs> 
Whatever happened to us not telling people not to like stuff? I mean, you can like it, but you should probably also say, yeah, but in the same way that I say, oh, I love Cardcaptor Sakura. Yeah, but there's also this romance they play super straight between a 10-year-old girl and her uh, adult elementary school teacher. Oh, God. Yeah. Clamp really likes to blindside you with extremely inappropriate shit. Every single relationship in this one is various levels of extremely inappropriate. Also all hella straight, though. Small blessings? No, Pam, no. That's my headphones. <laughs> <laughs> Pam doesn't want you to hear about Chobits. Pam is trying to rescue me from Chobits. Yeah, yeah. So, Kate, you're going into this completely blind for that. I apologize. Mac, you've at least got some context for this, right? Sort of. When I was younger, my dad had a habit of buying me really inappropriate manga and anime. <laughs> so, like, my first manga was basically Love Hina. Oof. And my first anime was Princess Mononoke, which at least you know is Ghibli. That's inappropriate in a, like, very mature theme yeah, in exactly. terms of, like, really heady stuff. Not... I thought it was really cool. <laughs> Meanwhile, Love Hina, the joke is, oops, I accidentally tripped and fell into a boobies for, like, 27 volumes. And I had all 27 volumes. Wowzers. Um, and then eventually uh, he did buy me my first book into Chobits. So I've read the first book and I got to the end of it and I was like, wow, this sucked. And uh, I never read anything else. I have some knowledge of Chobits just like in terms of its existence because I worked at a public library and I had to shelve a lot of manga. All I know about Chobits is that like there's cat girls on the cover. Yeah, basically. Sort of. All right. So that cat girl that you saw on the cover there, that is not a cat girl. That is what the world runs on, which is Persicoms, which are computers shaped like people. And the major difference is they all have weird ass ears. Why though? <laughs> You know, that's actually a central question of the manga. Why, though? <laughs> Why make the Persicoms look like people? Why do they have weird ears? Good question. Why is that the only difference? Good question. So, Hideki is our main character. He is 19 years old. He is some kind of cram student. The main joke about him is that he has a whole lot of pornography and he lives alone. What's a cram student? It's basically like someone who's going to like a, a, a night school so they can get prepared for their tests that will get them into university. Yeah, it's just that Japan is so focused on exams and especially with university, exams are usually the hardest part and university itself is kind of a breeze. So like they have a whole lot of cram schools where you just go study for these tests. Okay. So he's a cram school student and he really wants a computer. Now let's keep in mind that this is 2002. So some people have like a little keychain robot that's their PDA because we still say PDA here. <laughs> we have BBSs, we have laptops, and we have whole desktops. And these desktops, it is amazing that they are portable because they are people and they walk around on legs. Are the keychain robots also people shaped? Uh, not the one that we see. Okay. But they probably can be. <laughs> so keep that in mind that we're looking at like, I can't possibly imagine a world in which my computer was shrunk down to a very small rectangular brick, which I could carry around in my pocket. Okay. <laughs> so Hideki really wants a computer, but he can't afford it because he's poor as f By the way, this is going to be a swear episode. Okay. I'll start marking the track now. <laughs> Hideki is extremely poor. He wants a computer. Mostly so he can look at pornography on the internet. Don't we all? So wait, do the people-shaped computers have a screen? No, they're pretty much just a tower. Their weird little ears contain like cable outs so you can attach them to a monitor. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're pretty much computers that can talk to you. But if you want to line out to like a video source, you have to plug them in. 
I don't know how they're powered, come to think of it. By being sexy. Yeah, probably. Powered by sexy. Yeah. You know, if we did, like, titles that weren't just the title of the thing we're talking about, this episode would be called Powered by Sexy. <laughs> you know, it would. That'd be a good band name, too. So, Hideki is walking home one night, and he finds a perfectly good robot wrapped up in bandages just in the trash. And he's like, this seems like a perfectly fine trash robot. That's how I found my computer. So he takes it home, and he is completely computer illiterate, and he has no idea how to turn it on and so he looks everywhere for a button usually it turns out later the buttons are in the ears but not this special (laughs) robot Annie, I don't want you to tell me where the button is. Can you guess? It's in the vagina, isn't it? It's in the vagina! Not only does the robot have a vagina, but that's where the button is. (laughs) And we're not talking about, like, right above the vagina. It's inside. I'm going to be pushing the limits of our PG-13 rating here. Is it on, like, the ceiling or more in, like, a G-spot location? All I know is that it's not a clitoris. Okay. You know, honestly, for a team of all-women creators, they didn't think particularly hard about where exactly in the vagina the button is. Annie, how does he press the button? Oh, they get intimate. <laughs> he, he's like, I've tried everywhere. There doesn't seem to be an on switch. And then he's like, but I haven't looked there. And he very awkwardly sticks his fingers in the robot and presses the on button. <sighs> well, at least it was his fingers. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't worry. Don't worry about that. Oh, my God. We're going to need to put a special warning on this episode. This is the weird thing about the series, though, is that no one ever says vagina or penis or something. Nobody ever talks about those private parts. They just sort of dance around them. Like, there's a whole talk about, like, they can't touch you down there in that special place. It's like a parent who is really awkward and doesn't want to actually give their kid the sex talk trying to talk about, like, intercourse. (laughs) It's like Fifty Shades of Grey level explicit. It's just there. Yeah, pretty much. They don't even talk about, like, penis and vagina intercourse. Oh my god. They just dance around the idea of, like, you can't do that. You can't do that one thing. I'm gonna find a lot more gray hairs after we finish recording this episode, aren't I? So it gets better. And here's the thing. From this point on, I'm probably gonna start referring to these things as Roombas because I really want to put this in perspective (laughs) about the Tomora quandary. So this special Roomba wakes up and all the Roomba can say is Chi. So he's like, I guess I'll just give you a name like that. And she basically imprints on him. And then the whole series is about like Hideki and his Roomba learning to navigate everyday life and she learning learning more about who she is and why she was thrown in the garbage. She basically imprinted on Hideki, so she's just very interested in him and falls in love with him. The way these things have personalities? Sort of. So the thing about Persicoms is that they aren't supposed to be able to develop individual personalities or have free will, but this one seems to. And there's a whole big question throughout this whole thing of like, oh, her program is just ones and zeros. It's not like she has real feelings. And, you know, we, we vaguely approach the interesting, like, trans transhumanism and anything that's like kind of neat and blade runnery but nope that doesn't matter because chi keeps getting cute outfits 
Okay. Yeah, that's, that's all that really matters in the end. So Chobits are supposed to be the special series of robots that might have free will. And the question of, is Chi a Chobit? And it's, you know, a really fucking obvious series, so of course she is. But what is a Chobit, they ask. And in order to get there, we have to get some context and figure out how people live with Roombas in their lives. So we meet a whole bunch of other characters with Roombas. So look, I'm just going to have to get into all the completely inappropriate relationships in this. Uh, we start out with softball. Hideki's best friend is a fellow cram school student. He is in love with their teacher. The teacher is not a Roomba. The teacher is a real person. It's indeterminate exactly how old she is. Uh, so this is not too bad. She's also married. <laughs> Here's the problem. The teacher's husband got a Roomba and he got so interested in the Roomba that he stopped paying attention to his wife. And sometimes he just locked the door and put on the chain because he just kind of forgot she was coming home because he was having a whole lot of fun with his Roomba. It doesn't say what kind of fun, but I think we can make a guess. Oh, God. Yeah. So she eventually elopes with the student. How old is the student? Uh, He's probably also about 19. Okay. Oh, and don't worry. It's a it's a clamp manga, so all of the men are just so, so much taller than all of the women. It's all tiny women and giant dudes, so it looks fine. But, like, why, though? Great question. That's what clamp likes. They do. You should see, uh... Triple X-holic. Everyone's tall in Triple X-holic. Creepily tall, giant. Everyone's very long, spidery people in Triple X-holic. I'm vaguely aware of Triple X Holic because we had to shelve those at the back because alphabetical order. And also there were too many of them and they didn't fit because by that point the shelf was crammed with 8 billion volumes of Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> God, you should see the uh, the polyamorous relationship at the end of Magic Knight Ray Earth where like the girl is like, I don't know, maybe 4 foot 10 and the dudes are both twice her height. So this relatively tame relationship gets ushered out of the story pretty early on, and they're just sort of gone. In fact, he leaves his tiny laptop, which is like, I don't know, like a little cheapy girl who's like maybe a foot tall. He leaves his laptop and gives it to Hideki. Oh, I don't like that. I mean, this one's just sort of a mascot. Okay. Next relationship. There's a little boy named Minoru. He's incredibly rich. He has about like, I don't know, six computers. They're all Roombas. They're all dressed like maids. Don't, don't like that. Don't like that one bit. He is the king of maids. Really don't like that. He basically loves Tanto Kuare. He is the king of maids. Napping maid is the best maid. It's true. You pay her to nap. He has a very special maid Roomba, though. And this most special Roomba is a Roomba that he has programmed with the personality of his dead sister. What? <laughs> yes. We'll get back to that dead sister. Okay. And it's not very clear whether or not he just, like, loves his dead sister Roomba, like, in a familial way, or if there is something more, it's not. Uh... Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. 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 Uh, we also have a baker. Hideki used to work for this baker. He gives Chi a job with the baker because Chi is like, I, I want to make money so you can buy nice things. I, I just want to do work so, so, so I can give the money to you and make you happy. Okay. So Chi goes to work for this baker. And as Hideki uh, reconnects with this baker, he finds out that this baker man who lives in a tiny baker can, <laughs> there's this big chapter break where he's like, I understand how you feel about Chi. I was once married to a Roomba. God. He found a Roomba on sale. Uh-huh. And he was like, oh, she's very pretty. She can do my accounting. And then over time, he's like, 
What if I fell in love with it? Also, here's the best part about the Roombas in this. Judging by this one Roomba when it turns on, the way that they uh, translated this volume was when the Roomba turns on, she says, Konnichiwa! Oh, God. <laughs> but they don't translate Konnichiwa. So it's just everyone else is in English and then Konnichiwa! Why? So he falls in love with his Roomba uh, and eventually gets married to her. Okay. He gets married to his Roomba wife. And then over time, the Roomba wife's memory starts to fail. And the way that works here is like people memory. So she just starts forgetting things. And eventually she can't even remember like his name. And so he's just very sad. And then he's taking her out for walks because she can't like walk around by herself. And then he gets so sad and it's so dark and it's so raining that he doesn't see the truck. Oh, oh God. No. And the Roomba pushes him out of the way and gets hit by the truck instead, which probably does a lot of damage to the truck. Yeah, like, how dense are these things? Pretty dense. Like, Hideki has a really hard time carrying Chi upstairs when he hasn't turned her on yet. And here's the thing. Here's the thing about this, uh, this robot. This baker picks up the scattered remains of his Roomba wife, and she turns to him. And as her final word, she says, Konichiwa! <laughs> oh, for God's sake! <laughs> no! <laughs> No. Then he has a funeral for it. He buries the robot, which I'm pretty sure is dumping. Does the tombstone just say Konichiwa? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I hope so. It better. It better. So there's that relationship. The next one is a high schooler. I don't like this. I don't like this already. Who's in love with the baker. Uh, the baker is about 40 years old. Uh, and when she first met him, she was in middle school. Uh, and here's the problem. Here's why she ran away and why they eventually reconcile. Her name is Yumi. The baker's Roomba was also named Yumi. Oh. Also, she's got E-cup boobs. She makes sure to state that out loud. Oh, for God. Why? Also, that's not technically how you measure bras, but okay, Japan. She's got E-cups. I don't know. And now, after we see all of these relationships, Hideki starts wondering, why Why would you shape Roombas like people? Why would you make them look like people? Because that just seems to make people very sad. Sad is a word for it. Horny is another word for it. It makes people horny. And we'll come back to the granddaddy of all inappropriate relationships with this. <sighs> but first, I want to tell you a little bit about Chi. Chi is basically a child who imprinted on a, on a schlubby dude and has spent no other time with anyone else. So, of course, she falls in love with him. Mm-hmm. Mm Mm -hmm. They have so many wacky adventures along the way, like a whole episode where she has to go find panties because he's too embarrassed to buy her panties. Okay. And so she walks around the city marching, saying, panties, 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 because it's that kind of series. She's also basically raised by television. People keep giving her clothing and it's like before it starts getting into a real like Lolita vibe, lots of ribbons and shit. Mm. We start out with such good things as gym uniform and sailor uniform. I mean, of course. Mm. Those are the most common outfits in a Japanese girl's repertoire. Mm -hmm. And then we also meet Hideki's neighbor, who is the landlady. She's a young woman. It turns out she's like freaking 27. She knows Chi from her previous life before Chi was basically reformatted because she had nothing when Hideki loaded her up, except for like a very strong program that crashes other Roombas when they try to like run a diagnostic on it. Okay. This this lady gets very close to Chi. It turns out uh, she is Chi's secret mom. Secret? Do these things have parents? No. She's her mom. And we find this out because she gives Chi an extremely pervy dress. 
that is like, oh, this belonged to you previously. Uh, we have several fun adventures where Chi accidentally gets a job as a cam girl. And there's a big drama thing because they're like, now touch yourself. And she's like, oh, no, I can't. Chi spot can't be touched, which is a direct quote. Chi spot can't be touched. God. Yeah. And we also find out in so doing that she has a very extreme reaction to uh, not wanting to touch her spot, which is that she can shut down other Roombas, uh, which is definitely not a thing that they should be doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, later on, we discover that that's because Chi has an exact clone of her who dresses all in black that also lives in her head. So is this like a Jekyll and Hyde thing or? Yeah, that's a great question. Except instead of like taking her over explicitly often, this other Chi tells her basically that like you have to find the special someone just for you oh god it's very important that you find the someone just for you and also you should read these books that we keep finding in the bookstore they're about some kind of weird rabbit and they speak very obtusely and they're all actually about you they're published very quickly very locally extremely locally it turns out the landlady's making these books about you and being very obtuse and not just actually telling you things are you ever going to explain in what way the landlady is her mom <laughs> shortly <laughs> okay First, we have to also explain one of the big, important events in this. And that is when she gets kidnapped. For freaking two volumes, Hideki is just wandering around, being distressed, hearing about, like, a Roomba wife that says Konichiwa, and trying to find Chi. Basically, she got kidnapped by, like, a hacker or something, and he knows that she's, like, some kind of secret Chobit, and he's like, I'm gonna run a diagnostic on you, and then I'm gonna try to finger this Roomba. Okay. <laughs> yeah. This activity, because she gets so like, you can't touch Chi in that spot, and like almost shuts down all Roombas again. That brings two other robots to town that are like, I don't know, trying to track the the, the Chi... Look, these two robots don't actually do anything. They just kind of sit around and talk about things and, like, wear kind of bondage gear. They don't do anything. There's a whole lot of promise of them being dangerous, but they do nothing i mean this having characters who just kind of show up and then don't really do anything is a not uncommon thing in serialized fiction they don't even interact with any other characters they just hang around on rooftops by themselves and cuddle i don't understand it but i would be remiss if i didn't mention like one of the only other couple of characters in this small cast so when we get to this point, this is when we start to figure out that like Chobits are very dangerous and that something very important is going on with Chi because she has a very special program that she can run that will affect all other Roombas. Like in the area or everywhere? Everywhere. Okay. And she has this ability because of who her mommy married. And now we're cycling back around. <laughs> okay, let's do this. First off, all of the Roombas were invented by one man. And this man is from a pre-existing comic series. No. <laughs> Before they made Chobits, Clamp made a, I don't know, six-volume series, five volumes called Angelic Layer. Angelic Layer was my first introduction to manga, so I am very, very fond of it. But basically, it's like everybody can buy the small robot. They're maybe about the size of a fashion doll. So like about Barbie-sized-ish. The thing is, they're also like special programmable toys, so you can customize them, give them interesting outfits, and then you make them fight! There's a little visor that you wear where basically you control them with your thoughts. And you make them fight. So it's like a reverse Jaeger. Yeah. It's kind of a sports anime. It's kind of like a fighting tournament style anime. But it's all girls and they're girl robots and they're girl feelings. 
Except the token boy. We don't have to talk about him. Okay, this doesn't sound terrible yet. No. And these angels, they're called. The angels were all invented by one dude. And this dude is a uh, wacky recurring character who asks people to call him Ichan. And he refers to himself in the third person. And he's maybe a little bit of a lech, but you can't tell if that's a joke or not. But he's basically like this wacky mentor figure for the main girl from Angelic Lair. And also he is the CEO and also inventor of all these robots. And they... Uh, company is Piffle Princess. Okay. He marries a woman and she works with him to develop robots. The problem is that they very much want children and they cannot conceive. So he says, okay, what if I made a robot daughter? And gave her a vagina. Yes. I mean, if you don't give her a vagina, how do you know she's your robot daughter? I can think of a couple ways. <laughs> <laughs> So this inventor makes a robot daughter, and the robot daughter is very lovely, very cute, names her Freya, because that always goes well. Never name anything after deities. And then Freya starts getting very, very sad for some reason. And so in order to counteract this, to make her less lonely, he makes a second daughter, a twin named Elda. And Elda and Freya are very happy. They love their mommy very much. They always call them mommy and daddy. Sorry, my brain got stuck on the little robot girl calling someone daddy and, and it broke. Oh, it gets better. No. Here's the thing. One thing that Elda and Freya are able to do is they are basically interested in finding the special someone for them. The one special person with whom they can fall in love, who will love them just for being them, etc., etc. So are they looking for two people or one? One each. Okay. Freya, the older sister... Freya falls in love first, and this is alluded to throughout the whole series with Freya being very sad that the person that she chose didn't love her back or couldn't love her back, and then it made her very sad. And then she basically pulled a Padme Amidala and died of sad. Okay. <laughs> the person that she fell in love with. Now keep in mind, she's a robot daughter. She doesn't really get out a whole lot. Uh-huh. It's eventually revealed very dramatically and very like, oh, I understand why you did that. That's fine. She fell in love with a Dr. Daddy. No. Oh my God. No. Yeah. No. She fell irrevocably in love with her dad. No. And she was like, oh, but I can't actually tell him because daddy's in love with mommy and they love each other very much. Yeah, that's not the only reason. Oh my God. I I hate this. So she gets very sad. Oh, God. And starts dying because she's so sad. Oh, for God's sake. Can I make a sidebar here? Okay. Keep in mind here, this is the wacky mentor from a fighting show that's basically love Nikki Beyblades. This is a wacky person. <sighs> and he made robots with vaginas that could die from sadness. <laughs> and capable of falling in love with their own dads. Yeah. Like, he didn't write that line of code of, like, exceptions. He just wrote, like, all women, apparently. Uh, but he didn't write daddy. I hate this. I hate this so much. <laughs> Who's the target audience for this? I don't know. Maybe men, maybe women. I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's a series that's supposed to be for dudes. The anime calls itself an edgy, which is, like, a pervy cartoon for boys. Boys of what age? Great. Question! I don't know. Uh... And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, they don't stop this, like, weird, tragic love Nikki Beyblades pain train because it turns out that the little boy who has the maid robot that's based on his sister, this sister 
was like the gentle Megane character that the main character fought against in Angelic Lair. This is a pre-existing girl from a fighting cartoon, and she tragically died at some point all of a sudden, and like... You even see this whole thing in the hospital with cameos of all of your favorite fun characters from Angelic Layer crying over their dying friend's body. Oh, God. I don't understand. There's an extreme tonal dissonance here, and it, like, adds this ganache of bizarreness on top of Chobits. They're talking about, like, oh, this tragedy of, the, of, of Roombas that can turn other Roombas off, and why do Roombas look like people? And they're made by a man who found a company called Piffle Princess. You know, right now I'm thinking it can't possibly get worse than this, but I know something's going to come out of your fucking mouth that's going to be worse than this. <laughs> so what Elda does is she's like, okay, Freya, you're dying of sadness because you're in love with daddy. I don't want you to die of sadness because you're in love with daddy. Why don't I upload you into my brain? This is how you solve problems. How is that going to solve anything? I don't know. Freya, like, turns to Daddy, and she's like, Daddy, I'm in love with you. You're my special someone just for me. And Daddy's like, uh. Yeah, that's the supreme moment of I fucked up, isn't it? <laughs> I love your mother? She's like, oh, well, I guess I'm dying. <laughs> oh, God. So he lets Elda upload Freya's, like, brain into hers. But they tell her that it's going to overload her. She's going to basically have to factory reset. Uh, but somehow that's going to keep, like, both of them inside her. And that she is going to have to go on a mission and find, basically, the someone just for her. But she's like, I don't want to, like, wake up and imprint on Daddy. That seems like a bad idea. So please, wrap me up and tape and put me in the garbage where I belong. <laughs> so they do that. She asks, like, I want you to take me somewhere far away so that when I uh, am reawakened, I can't fall in love with daddy and make this whole tragedy repeat itself. So instead a different tragedy unfolds, which is her falling in love with Hideki, who is a complete schlub. Uh... Yeah, so so that's why she was in the garbage. And that's why she has like a special robot sister inside her brain. I feel like the plot point of boy finds robot in the garbage and why was the robot in the garbage? Those were planned years apart. I think so. So we get to this point where before she gets put to sleep or when she's basically shutting down, they put a special program into Chi. And they say, fine. Okay, look, she has to find her special someone. She has to fall in love. She can't be happy by herself. She has to fall in love and be loved in return, I guess. And if she doesn't, this special program will run. This differs between the anime and the manga. In the manga, if Hideki doesn't return her love, then she will run a program that will basically make all Roombas forget how to tell people apart. They lose their individual recognition programs. So they won't see anyone as special, is how the manga puts it. But that just seems like a stupid idea, frankly. In the anime. Oh, God. In the anime. Oh, I don't want to hear this. <laughs> what happens is that if Hideki loves her back, then she runs a special program that affects all Roombas, and it's implied that it gives them feelings. Not sentience. Feelings. Why feelings with no sentience? I don't know, because I guess he just wanted to make a sad Roomba. Like, imagine this idea of, like, giving them feelings but not sentience. Why? You just have a Roomba that feels sad, but you can't tell it why or, like, given any, like, things. It's just sad. It just gets sad. Why would you make the Roombas be able to get sad? I don't know. 
Why would you let them get sad? Oh, right. I did have a note in here that I need to say out loud because I thought it was a very good joke. Okay. This is my whole note for explaining about like this thing where all of the Roombas pause while like Hideki and she are making this decision about whether or not they're in love. There's this whole catastrophe thing where like all of the Roombas working like the sewer system and the water mains and like all of the traffic signals and stuff, they all shut down. So it goes all oops, all Y2K. Oh, God. Yes. Why do they have these things running the traffic lights? I don't know. And it's like, it's a whole bunch of like girl robots sitting in a room. There has to be a better system for that. (laughs) (laughs) For one thing, it's not an efficient use of space. So here's my problem. Cheese special spot. Every time it is pressed... She reformats. Of course. I have a horrible sense that I know where this is going. So that's one of the big cruxes is like, oh, Hideki, you have to make a decision because Chi can't give you like penis and vagina intercourse. (laughs) (sighs) This is what the entire relationship hinges upon. Can you live making the sacrifice that you can't f*** the Roomba? Not even that you can't f*** the Roomba. You can't the Roomba in one of the many events. No, I'm not going to go there. This is a PG-13 podcast. This is the only way you can fuck the Roomba is by sticking your <laughs> dick in it. And this is my big freaking problem with Chobits. Daddy gave his daughters a vagina and then he made it so that you can't fuck them. Why would you even give your daughters vaginas in the first place? Like, why give any of these robots reproductive organs? Because we have to assume that if these girls have vaginas, then there must be boy Roombas running around with dicks. Yeah, you'd think. And also, if you're going that far, why not give them all buttholes? (laughs) Do they have buttholes? Hell, why not give every single one of them a full set, regardless of body phenotype? That's what the Transformers did in a lot of fanfiction. I mean, that makes sense, right? It's just a chassis. But it's just, it's the extreme f***ing idea. That you would make these two special robot daughters for your wife who cannot have babies and you give them vaginas. Why? But then you say, but you can't f*** them. (sighs) Don't you f*** my robots. Why do the girl robots have vaginas? All of the other robots have power buttons like in their ear things, basically. So he had to specifically put the power button in there. Yep. And it's not even a power button. It's not an on-off switch. It's a hard reboot. It's a reformat. It erases all of her personality, all of the intense learning software she has that has allowed her to learn language and express likes and dislikes and even go so far as to, like, imprint on this schlubby, porny dude. You know, my central question is always, why do you make persicomp shaped like people? Because a dog would be just fine. The idea that they give us, like, you wanted them to, like, feel special and to really make them feel like part of the family or something. And it's like... Dogs. Dogs do that. It's fine. Dogs do that. Dogs have legs. They can walk around with you and they can go, bark, bark, you have an email. Bark, bark, woof. People pack bond with Roombas. Yeah. A Roomba is a disc. Yeah, like you can make it cute, but you don't need to make it shaped like a person. This is just inviting trouble. And at the very least, like, it's less of a, oh, that's weird. You f*** a robot instead of, what the hell? You're f***ing a dog robot. 
Like, make it more of a social faux pas if you're so worried. God, I keep thinking about this, and I, I have to imagine that the thought process behind this was, hey, we want to make a comic for boys. What do boys like? And they landed on robots with vaginas. They like fucking. Uh-huh. And so, like, the idea that the narrative frames is that it is the central problem is that Hideki would have to make the great sacrifice of loving Chi, but never wanting to, like, put his dick in her. It's a huge sacrifice. Why would daddy decide that he needs to give his daughter a vagina that no one can f- otherwise she will lose everything that makes her her. There's probably some kind of meta commentary there about how like in our society girls losing their virginity is seen as like stripping something away from her or erasing who she was before she became sexually active but honestly in this case I don't think it's that deep. (laughs) And also this idea of saying like sex is something that is like if a relationship is consummated it is somehow like the fault and the blame to be passed on to like the person with the vagina in the scenario. It's a real f***ing harsh punishment if she loses her entire identity every time they stick anything in her vagina. Why even put it there? Why give a Roomba a vagina and then say, but you can't f*** it? Oh, God. (laughs) And this is supposed to be her father figure that did that. And he also hinges all of the robots, every single Persicom, he hinges this decision on, can you live with not f***ing it? Otherwise, it'll, in the manga, it'll completely, like, erase a certain part of programming for every single robot. What the hell? I thought this was gonna be, like, haha, fun, wacky manga, but I'm, like, genuinely angry right now. <laughs> <laughs> it starts out that way. That's the thing. It starts out like that. And, like, apparently the anime is super, like, haha, goofy slice of life. Chi doesn't understand what, I don't know, boundaries are yet. Instead, it takes this right turn into what the hellsville. Did they ever explain why she can only say chi? Well, she just starts out only saying chi, and then she learns words. I don't know why she just starts out with chi. Maybe it's like, maybe it's a really easy syllable or something. I don't know. And here's the thing. Every single interpersonal relationship in Showbits is weirder than the last. (laughs) (laughs) Usually, the weirdest shit that Clamp does is, our fourth grade teacher is in love with my 10-year-old classmate, but it's okay because she's very emotionally mature for her age. Uh, That's pretty weird. Yep, that's pretty f***ing weird. And like, Clamp puts these weird-ass relationships in like each one of their things. Shit, they do it twice in Cardcaptor Sakura. Sakura's mom was like a middle schooler and fell in love with her teacher who is Sakura's dad. Oh god. And then she drops out of school to have babies. Ah. Clamp keeps putting this crap in just to keep you on your toes and saying like, oh isn't this wholesome? But not too wholesome. And they have this idea of, like, saying that love comes in many kinds of shapes and forms. Mostly it's straight. Sometimes we have things that are like, oh, it might be a little gay. Don't worry. We're not going to say anything. Uh... Instead, they're just like, love comes in a lot of shapes and forms. It's all straight and it's all extremely f***ing weird. (laughs) What the hell, Clamp? Stop writing romance. (laughs) (laughs) They do so many other neat things. They have so many neat ideas. Except for Tsubasa Reservoir Chronicles. That one's a huge, just f***ing mess. I'll take your word for it. They really like cameos from other things. Tsubasa Reservoir Chronicles is Kingdom Hearts, but for all of their own properties. That sounds self-indulgent. Yes. And they said, but what if we made it weirder? There's clones running around. Clones of clones of clones. Don't worry about it. Okay. (laughs) Clamp 
shouldn't write romance. They shouldn't make series that are explicitly romance because then they just have the liberty to just do whatever the, what the fuck they want. And it's all really inappropriate, really weird, not cool, frankly. The power structures are all out of sorts in every single relationship. The primary relationship as Chobits is wholesome if you don't look at it too close, because if you look at it too closely, you say, oh, okay, this is your ideal waifu, guys. She is very small and childlike. She imprinted on you. She doesn't really understand the world very much. She's mostly interested in going out and interacting with them in order to bring things home to you, like money. And she just wants to love you. But you can't f*** it. This isn't even a uniquely Japanese thing, because there are, like, so many f***ing, like... American rom-coms and like sci-fi properties and what have you where the female love interest is is exactly that is just this like innocent childlike thing who thinks you're the best thing ever because they have no life experience at all. Frankly, I think I can blame this all on Genji again. <laughs> A lot of this comes back to tale of Genji, which is written by a woman. What the hell? What the ever-loving hell? <sighs> Okay, I, I've exhausted my outline here. Some people say that, like, showbiz is their favorite thing, and, like, you know, if it's important to you, okay. I'm here to King Shane Clamp, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of the, the effect that art has on people, and showbiz is art, whether we want it to be or not. <laughs> it is. A lot of the effect that art has on people is that it was the right thing at the right point in their lives. It showed up at the right point in their lives and said something to them that either like changed or improved their life in some way. Th that is where meaning comes from. And I'm, I'm going full half an English degree here on this. So that, that doesn't really have a bearing on like the quality of the thing or the unhealthiness of the dynamics on display in the thing. Liking a thing that's kind of f***ed up is not a personal moral failing? <laughs> I really like that, though. I, I think that really articulates a lot of the ways that I feel about these things. Because, like, I really liked Chobits when I first read it. I got a lot out of it. I read the whole thing. Like, I just slammed the whole thing again a couple of nights ago and prepped for this. But, like, a lot of it stuck with me. A lot of that imagery. A lot of the basic ideals of romance and love. And it was important to me at the time. And there's a lot of people, especially because this came out in the height of the manga boom, for which Chobits is a very important series for them. It was what they needed when they needed it. I mean, for me, that was more angelic layer, but I, I come out ultimately feeling morally superior because it has less problematic shit. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about love, Nikki Beyblades. I really loved love, Hina. Totally. But looking back on it, I don't love Lavina. And that's sort of the complicated relationship that we have to have with media, especially as we grow and change as people and as society grows and changes. We can love it, but we can recognize that we probably wouldn't like it now. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that I have not revisited. I look back on it fondly and I know if I were to go back and read it again now, I would be like, oh... There's a lot of weird racism in here. Yeah, it's our duty as adults who interact with society to question these things and, and analyze them and look at whether or not they are appropriate now. But I don't know, there's, there's sort of a barrier there of saying like, well, it was appropriate for me then, even if it wasn't overall like a good thing. I don't know. That's the stuff that arrived in my life at the right time. What I love isn't necessarily what the thing was. What I love is the way that it made me feel at the time. I like that. It's like you and possibly Alan with the Dragonlance novels. They weren't good, mm -hmm. but they made you feel a way that you enjoyed at that point in your life. And so that's what you remember fondly is the way that it made you feel, not necessarily what it was. Yeah, I, I really like that. I like that a lot. I think that's very accurate. And I say this as someone who like 
fucking loves The Shadow, which is full of weird Orientalism when you look back on it. <laughs> you know, it turns out that I can buy, like, draconian measures in Kang's regiment on Kindle, and I might. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'll like it as much as, like, the first five times I read it in a row, but I might. I read a lot of weird erotic manga. Almost all of it problematic, but I realize it's problematic even if I do read it. It's fine to eat the fucking McDonald's burger as long as you know it's full of things that are not good for you. <laughs> all right, uh, Kit, what's your final fact then? Oh, this is going to get pretentiously academic for the show, <laughs> but I would say my final fact is that meaning does not exist solely in the work. Meaning exists at the intersection of the work and your reading of it. All right, Mac. What's your final fact? You can enjoy whatever shitty manga you like. I mean, look at me. I read I read shitty erotic shit <laughs> that's on a website and I always kind of buy it. And I'm like, this one has a really weird premise. I'm going to love it. And then there's always kind of like weird shit in it. And I'm always like, well, I didn't really love that, but I still kind of love the overall premise. And that's fine. Just realize that your shit has shit. Annie, what's your final fact? Don't date Roombas. <laughs> Or I guess also, like, don't punish people with vaginas for having vaginas. That's also a good one. There's a lot to unpack in Chobits. Who is this for? I, I really couldn't tell you. What kind of truth are they trying to access? Hmm. Don't fuck it. <laughs> you can make the great sacrifice of, of loving someone without vaginal intercourse. Which, as we all know, is the only kind of sex that has existed or ever will exist. Maybe that's why this is a, like a cyber dystopia. <laughs> People think that you can only have sex by putting a penis in a vagina. <sighs> I'm so tired, you guys. <laughs> Me too. I feel like I ran a fucking marathon. Man, I had to run a marathon of reading this. I get to, like, not think about it for a while now. I feel like a great weight has been lifted off my shoulders. I, I think we have really just finally put the final nail on the coffin of why Clamp should not write romance and why Chobits is... And we didn't even get into the whole base assumption that something can't be a woman without a vagina, because that's definitely there. Oh, yeah. That could be a whole episode in and of itself. We're not doing a Chobits follow-up episode. I'm declaring that now. I don't think I can take it. Please feel free to discuss this at your leisure. We are weak. We know our limits. I Will Fight You comes out every three weeks on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, and Pippa. We're not on Podbean anymore. Well, f <laughs> you can find us on crookedrussiancam.tumblr.com and on Twitter at gemjamcast. If you want to support us, a like, rating, review, subscribe, comment uh, is always super great, especially on iTunes. It helps our metrics. If you want to support us with dollars, you can at patreon.com slash thegemjam. For a couple bucks a month, you can support both this and our other projects. Join us next time in which we will fully kick off Gothtober. <laughs> <laughs> With the very indisputable fact that fanfic has an idea and it's called Love Never Dies. <laughs> That's right. We're finally fighting about Andrew Lloyd Webber. Until next time, I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And we have fought you. Oh.